Lesson number 29, Surah Al-Baqarah, ayah number 215 to 220. Yas'alunaka madha yunfiqoon. They ask you, what should they spend? When you hear about people who are suffering, you want to help them. And you better want to help them. Because if a person does not want to help them, then that means he's very hard-hearted. The Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they asked him, what should we spend? Meaning, what should we spend as charity? Who should we give charity to? How much should we give charity? Who deserves our sadaqah? Who deserves our charity? So yas'alunaka, they ask you, مَاذَا يُنْفِقُونَ What is it that they should spend? Allah says, قُلْ You tell them. You say to them, مَا أَنْفَقْتُمْ Whatever you spend, مِنْ خَيْرٍ Of any good, خَيْرٍ refers to wealth over here. Because wealth is something that a person considers very good. And khair, when it's used for wealth, it applies to a lot of wealth, a huge amount of wealth. So tell them that whatever they spend of any good, any wealth, who should they spend it on? That charity? Who should they give it to? Those who are mentioned over here. But before we go on to that, I want you to look at the word khair again. When we think of giving charity, we think of giving that which is either gone bad, that which is outdated, that which is useless, that which we don't need anymore, don't like anymore, don't enjoy anymore. But what does Allah say? When you spend, spend what? Khayy, that which is in good condition. When we hear about people who are suffering, whether it is in Burma or in anywhere on this planet, we'd rather donate our old clothes, our used shoes. When it comes to giving actual money, we don't think that's necessary. Or we don't think that's that important. Put yourself in their situation. Put yourself in the situation of those who are suffering every single day, who don't know whether they'll get their next meal or not. Whether they will remain alive until the next day or not. What would you want? What would you want? Allah says, spend that which is good. The Sahaba, they wanted to know what they should spend, who should they give to. And we, even though we may have many opportunities to spend, we don't come forward. We don't come ahead. And we think that the only way of helping out is to give thousands of dollars. No, every penny counts. Every little bit counts. Because فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ Every atom of good even counts. Every atom of good counts. And we don't just have to spend money out of our own pockets. We can do many things to help those who are in need. In the Qur'an we learn about encouraging other people to spend in the way of Allah. وَلَا يَحُضُّ عَلَى طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ He would not encourage the feeding of the needy. So we need to do this ourselves and we also need to encourage other people to help those who are needy. But what should we give? What should we spend? مِنْ خَيْرٍ so whatever you spend of charity, whatever you spend of any good, who should you give it to? Falil walidaini, first of all, to the parents. Walidain is a dual of walid. Walid is one who gives birth, walidain, two who give birth, meaning the mother and the father, the biological parents of a child. 
And it doesn't just apply to the mother and the father, but it also applies to grandparents. The question is, that when you think of giving charity, you think of giving it to the poor and the needy. Why does Allah say, first of all to the parents? This spending over here is referring to voluntary spending. It's not talking about zakat. Zakat, mandatory charity, it can only be given to certain recipients. It cannot be given to just anybody. Over here, this verse is talking about voluntary charity. Something that you want to give away to earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is said that this verse was revealed concerning a man who came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, I have some money. The Prophet ﷺ said, give it to your parents. He said, I have more. So he said, okay, give to so and so. He said, I have more. He said, okay, give to so and so. So this ayah was revealed. That these are the different venues, different ways in which you can spend. So first of all, the parents. Meaning if you want to spend something, think about your parents first of all. Why your parents? Because your parents spent on you. Now you have to spend on them. It doesn't mean that the parents have to be poor. They have to be in a desperate situation, extremely needy. So you are fulfilling their needs. No. Just like that, you feel that for a long time, or for some time, you haven't given sadaqah, you haven't given charity. Go buy a gift for your parents. Go get something for your parents. Falilwalidain. They don't have to be poor for you to spend on them. Spend on them anyway. When Eid comes, we think of buying gifts. For who? Our friends. How often do we think of our parents? It doesn't have to be something very expensive. It could be something very small. A treat that they really like. You have some money left over from your allowance. And you know that your mother loves a particular drink. Go get that for her. Just like that. You know that your father loves a particular dessert. Go get that for him. Just like that. You don't have to make it into an occasion. Just get it just like that. So falil walidain for the parents. Notice something? Spouse is not mentioned first, nor children mentioned. Why do you think so? Spouse is not mentioned, children are not mentioned, parents are mentioned. Why? Yes? Okay, it's obligatory on a person to spend on his spouse, to spend on his children. Understood? Yes? Exactly, you already do that. Whenever you know something happens, you think of your spouse, you think of your children. Your children don't need that game. They don't need that toy. They don't need that book. They don't need that firefighter hat. But you learned that you saw them looking very, you know, with a lot of interest into a firefighter hat. You're like, okay, that's what I'm going to get for them. Did they ask for it? Not necessarily. Do they really need it? No. You spend on your spouse and your children anyway. Anyway. But when it comes to parents, then you're like, oh, they have they have much more than me. They don't need it. But Allah says, walidain. First of all, spend on the parents. Then, aqrabin, And the close relatives. Aqrabin is a plural of aqrab. From the root letters, qafraba. Qurb is closeness. We learned earlier, the will qurba. Close relatives. There's the will qurba, and then there are aqrabin. The will qurba are all those people who are related to you. Whether it is your cousins, your grandchildren, your grandparents, your distant cousins, your uncles, your aunts, their spouses, their children. Who are these? Your relatives. They are all your the will qurba. But aqrabin are the closer relatives. 
those relatives who are more close to you compared to others. So for example, if a person has grandchildren, okay, and they also have children, who is closer to them? Who is closer? Children or grandchildren? Whose relationship is closer? Children. Likewise, if a person has siblings, and then the children of their siblings, who's closer of the two? Siblings. If a person has uncles and aunts, and their children, meaning their cousins, who's closer, the cousins or the uncles and aunts? The uncles and aunts. You understand? If a person has their cousin, and the cousin of their parents, their children, who's closer? Their own cousin. Because sometimes the families are very big. Right? You have a lot of distant relatives. So over here Allah says, Aqrabeen, closest relatives. Your immediate family, those who are more closer to you compared to others. So spend on them. So in other words, the closer the relationship, the more right they have. How can a person spend on them? If they're financially in need, then spend on them. But even if they're not in need financially, still spend on them. You know, sometimes a person might feel that, you know, these people, these cousins of mine, they always come over and they stay for a week and they don't realize how expensive groceries become and how I have to drive them around town and I have to take them downtown, I have to take them that city, that city, and they think it's so easy. It adds up. Yes, it adds up. But you're spending extra to earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, you may feel that, oh, I'm going back after so long, and all these cousins, why do I have to have so many relatives, so many uncles, so many aunts, their children, and I have to take a gift for every single one of them? Man, it gets expensive. Yes. But that's the beauty. The more you spend the more reward you get. You know the hadith that tells us, tahaddu, tahabu, give gifts and increase love. And you know what? These days especially, you can buy anything anywhere. Especially with the internet, you can buy anything anywhere. So people sometimes get offended. That my relative, who lives in, let's say India or Pakistan, whenever I'm coming from here, they tell me to bring those cookies, or that laundry detergent, or that whatever, and you get the same thing in their country as well. Why are they asking me to bring it? Why did they say I should buy that as a gift for them? Why? Can they not buy it themselves? Perhaps they can. But it's different when your relatives bring something to you as a gift. So when you have to spend on your relatives, don't feel stingy over there, don't feel upset or angry, remember this ayah. يَسْأَلُونَكَ مَادَا يُنْفِقُونَ Allah says, قُلْ For who? First of all, لِلْوَالِدَيْنِ And then, وَالْأَقْرَبِينَ The close relatives. And then, وَالْيَتَامَى Yatama is a plural of yatim, the orphans. Spend on them. Spending on the orphans does not just mean fulfilling their needs. Just making sure they have, you know, two pairs of clothes to wear, and food in the morning and the evening, and their basic needs are covered. No. Spending on them means... Spending a little lavishly on them as well. Getting them a treat. Getting them something that they would enjoy. Think about it. Your parents, do they only get you what you need? Do they only get what you need? No. Your parents buy you cereal? 
that doesn't have much nutritional benefit, but it just tastes good. They buy you chocolate. Why? Because you like it. They buy you chips. And you don't really need to eat them. You can do without them. Right? They buy you an iPod when you can do without it. They buy you shoes when you already have three pairs. They buy you a pair of purple socks just because you like them. Your parents make you happy with the things they buy for you. Think about an orphan whose father is not there. Who's going to spend on him? If anybody's going to spend on him, they're just going to think of their food, their shelter, their basic needs. They're not going to think about the things that they like, the things that they want. But we see in this country, for example, at Christmas time, what do they do? They have a toy drive. They collect toys, toys to give as gifts to children in hospitals, right? Or children who are in orphanages or whatever. Why? Because it's a time of happiness for them and they need to feel that happiness too. This is the spirit of our religion. This is what Allah is telling us to do. Spend on the orphans, even though they may have enough, but still spend on them to show kindness, to make them happy, to put a smile on their face, to make them a little excited. One Eid is gone. Inshallah, the next one is coming up. Think about what you can do. What you can do. Which orphans can you help? Perhaps you can buy them a gift, an Eid gift. And look around and you will find orphans. If not in this country, in other countries. And don't forget them. And then, وَالْمَسَاكِينَ And those that are needy, plural of miskeen. Who is miskeen? Someone who is needy, whose needs are not fulfilled. So yes, spend on your parents, spend on your relatives, buy gifts for them, but at the same time, don't forget those who are poor, who are needy. Also spend on them. Because sometimes we feel that yes, spending on our children is also charity. Spending on our parents is also charity. So I am doing it. But don't forget the needy at the same time. All of your money should not just be spent on fulfilling your needs, on fulfilling the needs of your family. Also remember the poor and the needy. Even if you can give a little bit. Even if you can spend a little bit. وَبْنِ السَّبِيلِ And the traveler. Also spend on the traveler. Even though the traveler may be very wealthy, yes. Even though they're staying at a hotel that you just drive by and you wonder what the hotel is like from inside. And they're staying there for three or four days. Yes, Allah says spend on them too. Spend on them too. Even if it means spending some gas money. Right? Picking them up and dropping them off somewhere. Taking them around. Taking them shopping and then paying for their shopping. Sometimes we have to do that for guests. So don't feel stingy over there. وَبْنِ sabil, Spend on them too. وَمَا تَفْعَلُوا مِنْ خَيْرٍ And whatever you do of any good, meaning any amount of money that you spend, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِهِ عَلِيمٌ Then indeed Allah is knowing of it. Allah knows about it. Even if you spend a few cents, even if you give one dollar, a little bit of money, Allah knows about it. And the more you spend, the closer you will go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In a hadith we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said, اِتَّقُوا النَّارُ وَلَوْ بِشِقِّ تَمْرَةٍ Save yourselves from the fire, even if it is with, with what? بِشِقِّ تَمْرَةٍ With 
a part of a date, half of a date. Can you imagine? Half of a date. If you can spare even that, if you can spend even that, how many of us can afford that? Can you afford to give half a date to someone? Raise your hand if you can. Okay, so Alhamdulillah, nobody is poor here. Alhamdulillah. So if we can give even half a date to someone, a little bit, then what should we do? Give it. Give it. Spend that in the way of Allah. Because وَمَا تَفْعَلُوا مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِهِ عَلِيمٌ Allah knows about it. Another hadith tells us that don't belittle anything. لَا تَحْقِرَنَّ مِنَ الْمَعْرُوفِ شَيْئًا Don't belittle from ma'roof anything at all. Meaning any kind gesture, anything that you can give, don't belittle that. Don't think that, oh, what will the other person say? If all you have at hand is a pack of stickers that you can give to a child as a gift, don't think, oh my God, I bought it from the dollar store. How can I give that as a gift? It's not a big deal. That's all you need to put a smile on the face of a child. This read, somebody gave my son a pack of small stickers. It had some cars on it and some traffic lights on it and some stop signs on it. Boy, he loved it. He loved it. That's the first thing he opened. And he opened it and he was putting it on paper and he had a good time. You don't need to spend a lot of money to make people happy. You don't have to do that. So, وَمَا تَفْعَلُوا مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِهِ عَلِيمٌ Allah knows about that. So don't belittle anything that you can spend in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many times it happens that we do end up spending anyway because of the relationship that we have with other people or the responsibility that we have, the role that we have as a parent, as a sibling, as an older sibling, as the only child who's working and supporting the family. And we feel that it's a burden on us. It's unfair that we work and we bring the money and people use it to pay off their cell phone bill. We feel that it's unfair. We are being used. But if at that time a person makes that intention, I'm spending on my relatives, I'm spending on my siblings, I'm spending on my parents, then this, every penny that a person spends is written as charity. It is written as sadaqah for him. We do many things, many good deeds, but we do them without any feeling, without any intention. We do them with frustration. So at the end of the day, we lose the reward that we could have gained. So we should be more conscious, seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with every deed that we do. Many women, when they're cooking, they feel a waste of my life, a waste of my time, a waste of my talents, a waste of my energies. With every time they turn the ladle, the, the spoon in the pot, waste of my life, waste of my time, waste of my energy. They're building up anger and frustration inside. And if at that time they remember that of the best deeds in Islam is that you feed food, you give food to other people. This is also charity. This is also a good deed. Then inshallah there will be no frustration. Then you will do what you do happily. Then you will be a happy person. You won't be a miserable, unhappy, boring negative person who is full of misery and fills other places and people with misery as well. We'll be happier if we do what we do for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expecting reward from who? From Him. 
Then Allah says, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِتَالِ Qital, fighting, has been prescribed for you. Meaning it has been made obligatory on you. You know that in Mecca, the Muslims, they were not allowed to fight. They were told, كُفُّوا أَيْدِيَكُمْ Keep your hands to yourself, meaning don't fight, don't take revenge. But then later in Medina, what happened? They were told, go ahead, fight. Now your enemy is coming against you, you have to stand up, you have to take revenge, you have to defend yourself. But at that time when the command came, some people were hesitant. They were like, no, we don't want to. We don't want to fight. Those same people before, every other day, when are we going to be allowed to fight? When are we going to be allowed to take revenge? But then when the command came, I don't think I want to. Why? Because things were different. They were more comfortable in Medina. There was no more persecution on a daily basis. They were now settled. So they wanted to remain settled. But Allah says, no. Now you have to stand up. Now you have to take revenge from the enemy. This is just like we're standing waiting. When is it going to be 9.30 so that I can pray Isha? And you're staring at the clock. And meanwhile, you're killing time by going through your phone. And as soon as the clock beeps or the adhan goes off, you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Let me just do this and then I'll pray. Let me just wait for a few more minutes and then I'll pray. So, the same thing happened with the Muslims in Medina. Allah says, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِتَالِ Fighting has been prescribed upon you. وَهُوَ كُرْهٌ لَكُمْ And you dislike it. It's disliked to you. You don't want to do it. Kur is from the root letters kaf raha and it's hardship. Kur is hardship to find something difficult to do. Kur is also said that it means that to find something hateful, to dislike something, to not enjoy doing something, to be averse to it. Why? Because of the difficulty that's involved in it. Remember that a believer never hates, dislikes a command that Allah has revealed. This is something that does not befit a believer. It is the hypocrites, those who disbelieve, who don't like the commands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. وَكَرِهُ A believer loves the religion of Allah, every single command, even if he finds it difficult. So how is it possible that about the Sahaba, about the companions it is said, وَهُوَ كُرْهُلْ لَكُمْ You don't like to fight? You don't like the command of Allah? What does it mean by this? They didn't like it at that time because of the difficulty that it brought. Because of the burden that it brought. Just like the example I gave to you of salah. You find it difficult to pray at that time. Is it because you hate to pray? You don't like salah? No, you like salah. You know that you should pray. But at that time, all of a sudden, when you know that you have to pray, you feel that, oh, maybe I can do something else. I'm too tired. So the same feeling overcame the companions as well when the command to fight came. But what does Allah say? وَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا Remember that it's quite possible that تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا You dislike something because of its difficulty, because of its hardship, because it's very challenging for you to do. But in reality, it is وَهُوَ And it is خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ It is actually good for you. It's quite possible that you don't like something, but in reality, it is good for you. This is something that is relevant to this context, but it's also relevant to every situation of our lives. There are things that we don't like to do, we don't want in our lives, but in reality, they are good for us. 
You can look back into your life. You can look into your life right now. And you may feel that, you know, this is something that I'm going through. I don't like it at all. I find it very hard, very unbearable. But then when you really reflect on it, you realize that the glass is actually half full and not half empty. There is some good in what's happening. I remember when I was, I think, 13 or 14 years old. My mom, she decided that there was going to be no servant in the house. This is in Pakistan, where there are no laundry machines where you can just go shove your clothes in and just take them out of the dryer and they come out nice so you can hang them right away. No, that meant that you take a big bowl of water and you fill it with water and you put the detergent in it and you take the clothes by hand one by one and you wash them by hand and you rinse them yourself by hand and and then you put them on the clothesline yourself and you dry them over there and then you take them off everything yourself so my mom decided no servant in the house that means that you have to do everything yourself I remember that day when I had that big bag of laundry and I was crying before her I was crying. And I could not understand why my mom was doing that to me. Why? Why do I have to wash all of these clothes myself? I could not understand. I was upset. I was hurt. I was angry. I was frustrated. I didn't want to wash. And this is the reason why I had a huge load of laundry. Because I delayed as much as I could until I had nothing left. Quite literally. And that meant I had to clean my room myself. I was only 13 or 14 at that time. But you know what? Today, because of that experience, cleaning and laundry, alhamdulillah, is not a big thing for me. I see people who are struggling to keep their house, to keep their room, to keep their shelves, to keep their desks clean, to keep their kitchens clean, who are much older than me perhaps. But alhamdulillah for me, that's not a main issue. For me, it's just something that you do and get it over with so that you can focus on something else. But that's because I went through that hardship. I went through that training. And I'm very, very grateful to my mother that she made that decision. Because I saw myself, they were my friends who were in university and they would not know how to clean the floor, how to do laundry. They would buy new clothes, put them in the machine, and take them out, and that's it. They're shrunk, or their color has faded, or the color of some other garment has come on them, because they don't know how to do laundry properly. They don't know how to clean the toilets. You go in the toilet, oh my God, it's so disgusting, because they don't know how to clean the toilet bowl. They don't know how to clean the tub. They don't know how to clean the mirror. They don't know how to mop the floor. They don't know how to sweep the floor. There are many things in our lives that happen and you don't know why they're happening to you. But you know what? It's actually good for you. So at that time, trust who? Trust who? Trust Allah. It's quite possible. وَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ It's much better for you. You hate it. You don't want it. You're trying to run away from it. But it's actually good for you. وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ وَعَسَىٰ أَن تُحِبُّ شَيْئًا And it's quite possible that you love something. You want it. You desperately want it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody has it. You want it. But what does Allah say? وَهُوَ شَرٌ لَكُمْ But in reality, 
it's bad for you, it's evil for you. It's not good for you. Another experience that I can share with you, again, when I was that young, all my friends had cell phones. This is in Pakistan. At a very young age, you can actually get a cell phone. All my friends had. I didn't have a cell phone for the longest time. It's like, why does my mom not let me have a phone? Why does my dad not let me have a phone? No question, you know, no choice. I mean, you couldn't even make that request. Okay? But I'm so grateful. I am so grateful. Because I look at what happened to other people, how they wasted their time talking on their phones, you know, being in touch with people whom they should not have been talking to, sending text messages to friends whom they should not be friends with, wasting their time, earning sins, crossing many limits. So it's quite possible you want something, but Allah does not allow that for you. What should a person remember at that time? Wallahu ya'lamu, Allah knows. Wantum la ta'lamu, you don't know. Allah knows the good that is hidden, the evil that is hidden, and you have no idea. You don't know, but who knows? He knows, so trust Him. Accept His decree. Accept His decision. Accept whatever has happened in your life. And Allah will show you the wisdom sooner or later. The good that was hidden, Allah will show you that sooner or later. It happens sometimes a person wants to travel somewhere, study somewhere, go somewhere, but it doesn't work out. And later on, they see what was the wisdom behind it. They're so grateful that Alhamdulillah it didn't happen, or Alhamdulillah this happened instead. Because I'm much better compared to what other people are suffering from. So, wallahu ya'lamu wa antum la ta'lamun. Now, in this verse, we see that it's specifically talking about qital. How is qital good for people? If you think about it, at that time, the sahaba, they were told to do qital. How was that good for them? They disliked it. What was the good in it? Protection, right? Defending themselves, showing to the enemy that they can stand up, they can defend themselves. And eventually, that led to the conquest of Makkah. That led to the victory of Islam. Because after that it is that Islam spread. If at that time the companion said, no, no, we don't want to fight. It's too hard, too difficult. We're perfectly fine in Medina now. You know, we are safe. They can't harm us. Let's just live a normal, peaceful life. Let's not do anything. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them, no, you have to. Because when they did, they're the ones who were able to defeat their enemy. And as a result of that, they got religious freedom because of which Islam spread. Because if the enemy remained strong, you and I would not have been Muslim today. Because we learned earlier, the fitna that was there, the religious persecution that existed at that time. So when Muslims, they stood up, they fought, they defended themselves, then that religious persecution was finished. On the other hand, you love something, Allah does not allow that to happen. Why? Because it's evil for you. Can you think of an example? You want something, but Allah does not let that happen. Why? Because it is evil for you. So at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, at the battle of Badr, before that, the Muslims, they wanted to get to the caravan, the caravan of the mushrikeen, and deal with them instead of the army. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not let them reach the caravan. Instead, they faced the army. Why? Because that was better. And facing the caravan was not in their favor. That would not bring them victory. Let's listen to the recitation. 
So in this verse there are a number of lessons that we learn. First of all we see that qital is something that is obligatory. Fighting is something that is obligatory. But what does it mean? Does it mean that all Muslims have to fight all the time even when there's no reason to? No. That's not what it means. This means that when there is a reason then they must. Remember that qital is fard kifaya and it's not fard ayn. You know the meaning of qital. We have done it earlier. right? We went through what jihad means and what qital means. So I don't want to go through that discussion all over again. Qital is fard kifaya and sometimes it is fard ayn. So what is fard kifaya? Fard kifaya is when the some members of the community do a particular action and that is sufficient. Every individual does not have to do it. This is just like salatul janazah. When a person dies, then the janazah has to be prayed. But does every Muslim have to pray? No. If a few people do it at least, some people do it at least, it is good. But if nobody does it, then everyone is responsible. Alright? So, qital is something that's fard kifaya, meaning some people from the community have to do it. This is just like there is a country and they have an army. Every person, every citizen of that country does not need to become a soldier. But some people have to become soldiers. Okay? But remember that in certain situations, in certain situations it does become fardain, meaning it is the responsibility of the individual to do it. In what situations? When a person is physically, financially capable. When a person is physically, financially capable, there is a need and there is nothing that's preventing him. So for example, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there were people who were physically able, they were financially capable, there was nothing preventing them, so they were required to go when the need came. Okay? Remember once a man came and he had old parents and the Prophet ﷺ sent him back? That no, you cannot participate. Why? Because you have to look after your parents. So that prevented him. Likewise, many occasions some people came, they were not financially capable, so they were sent back. A companion, he was lame, he could not walk properly. So he was told that you don't have to. Okay? Another situation is when the enemy attacks and is advancing towards the Muslims, so at this moment it becomes an obligation on the person to stand up and defend himself. He cannot say, oh no, 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 I'm not going to do anything. No. In that situation it is necessary. Likewise, when the leader, when the leader, and this is a very important thing that we must understand, especially in these days, when the leader says, 
that you have to. Not just any person who wrote an article or who made a YouTube video and he said, all Muslims need to get up and fight. No, that's not an imam, that's not a leader. And no matter how many videos they make, no matter how much they tell you, please, you're not going to listen to them. This is when there is a Muslim government, a Muslim government, and the leader, the head of the Islamic State, he says that you have to. So until that situation arises, please take it easy. Okay? Because some people, they get very emotional. And they watch these videos and they read things on the internet and they say, oh, we have to do jihad, jihad, jihad. You know what? Jihad that is necessary on our part today is that we fight against our nafs and we start getting up for fajr. If you don't get up for fajr, please, don't talk about going to Somalia and going to Afghanistan and going to wherever. No. Fight yourself first. If you cannot fight the shaitan and speak good words when you're angry, then don't talk about going to jihad elsewhere. If you can't fight yourself and recite the Qur'an, then don't talk about jihad elsewhere. The Muslims were not allowed to fight until later. Why? Because all those years, they were told, focus on what? Your salah, your zakah. That's what you have to focus on. And also remember that fighting against an enemy is only when you've conveyed the message to the enemy. The Prophet ﷺ, he did not fight the mushrikeen until over 13 years. Tell me, how much have we told the non-Muslims about Islam that we dare to raise up weapons against them? How much have we told them? We haven't done our job. So, remember these things. So this ayah tells us, kutiba alaykumul qital. And you will hear this verse being quoted a lot, but know the meaning of this. Okay? Another very important lesson that we learn in this verse is that just because you find something difficult to do does not mean that you cannot do it. That you become exempt from it. No, you still have to do it. Because over here Allah says, you dislike qital, yes, but it's actually good for you. So likewise it's possible that you don't feel like getting up to pray. Don't say that it's okay, I won't pray. You're eating or you're watching your television show and it's time for maghrib and you're like, oh I find it so difficult to pray maghrib right now. You know what, forget it. It's late anyway. I won't pray right now. No. Just because you find it hard does not mean that you are exempt from it. You still have to do it. Also remember that in general life, many things may happen that you don't like, but in reality they are good for you. Does this mean then that a person should not like anything, should not dislike anything? He becomes passive, oh whatever happens... I'll be okay with it. Should this be our attitude? We should not set any goals for ourselves because you say, oh, whatever's going to happen is going to happen anyway. You know, I can plan to go to college to study, but what if Allah does not want me to? Should we become like that? No. We should have our goals. We should strive to attain them. We should strive to do what we want to in our lives. But if it doesn't work out, then don't become mad. Okay? Don't become upset. Rather accept the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A hadith tells us that Al-Mu'min al-Qawi khayrun wa ahabu ila Allahi min al-Mu'min al-Da'if wa fi kullin khayr. That the strong believer is better and more beloved to Allah than the weak believer. But in each believer there is good. Ihris ala ma yanfa'uk. Be greedy for that which benefits you. Be greedy for that which benefits you. So have some goals and strive to attain them. 
وَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ And seek the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But, وَلَا تَعْجَزْ And don't give up. Don't become too weak. Just because it's getting difficult, don't become too weak. فَإِنْ أَصَابَكَ شَيْءٌ And if something harmful afflicts you, فَلَا تَقُلْ Then do not say at that time, لَوْ أَنِّي فَعَلْتُ كَذَا وَكَذَا If only I had done such and such. Why? وَلَكِنْ قُلْ قَدَّرَ اللَّهُ وَمَا شَاءَ فَعَلَ But say that this is the decree of Allah and whatever Allah wills, He does. فَإِنَّ لَوْ تَفْتَحُ عَمَلَ الشَّيْطَانِ Because indeed, لَوْ saying if only, it opens the door to shaitan. Meaning shaitan comes in and he does what he wants to. So, yes, things may happen that are disagreeable to you, find difficult, but accept it and keep striving. Plan. Because if you don't plan, then you're going to fail. And in your plan, as you're executing your plan, whatever you're trying to achieve, something doesn't go as planned, then accept it as the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I want you to tell the person sitting next to you, one thing from your life that you don't like, but you know it's good for you. Or that you want, but it's not happening, and you know why it's happening. Okay? Share with the person sitting next to you one experience from your life, whether it's past or present. Anything you'd like to share with the rest of the class? Somebody whose experience was very cool, very interesting? Quickly raise your hand. Quickly, quickly. Could be yours, could be the person sitting next to you. So, for example, she's mentioning that she has to work right now and she doesn't want to but uh, because of her child, but she realizes that she has to work because of the situation that is in her life. So yes, you dislike something, but there is some good in it. Okay, when your mom is upset with you, then you're like, why is this happening? I don't want that. But then you learn a lesson. Because if she wasn't upset with you, you would never learn lessons. She's saying that I don't like the house that I live in, the place that I live in, but there is some wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I don't know of. So, yes, you don't see the good yet, but what should you do? What should you do? Trust in Allah that yes, there is good inshaAllah in this. I remember when I was coming to this country, I was coming here only for a few months, and I was very sad, very sad. I was like, Ya Allah, I'm coming here, you tell me what to do. You show me the way. I'm lost. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And alhamdulillah, I feel that what I gained here, and what I'm able to do here, perhaps I would not have been able to do that back home. So at every step, at every difficulty, turn to Allah and say, Ya Allah, I trust you. I know there's some khair in it. And keep asking. Inshallah, let's conclude over here.